0: this is the bitcoin made simple podcast here's your host Corey tusik this is the bitcoin made simple podcast i'm your host Corey tusik on today's episode i talk with Gigi. uh Gigi, you'll know him on twitter as dirt at dirt uh he's a anonymous uh you know uh pseudonym um for a Bitcoiner, he's been in the space for a little over four years now. Um, and he has a lot of great writings on his website, dirtgg.com. Um, But I wanted to talk to Gigi about toxicity um, because I heard him with uh, Peter McCormick a few months ago talking about you know, how toxicity is is good for bitcoin you know and how it works how it how it's kind of an immune system um and i thought that was a really good point um because you know a lot of the bitcoiners have ex- had to explain things over and over and over again and then people walk in and say you know oh, i'm here to fix everything um you know and, and kind of like uh Gigi pointed out i think in twitter recently you know uh, satoshi said it best he said if you don't if you don't understand it, I don't have the time to explain it to you, you know, and that uh, it's kind of a good thing for Bitcoin, you know, but there are a, a lot of, as Gigi put it, angels that are willing to explain everything. Um, so we talked about that. We talked about the class of 2020 and 2021 and how the the learning and adoption curve is really um, like getting better and quicker because of all of the information that's out there. Um, so a lot of thanks to everybody that came before us to give us all the information to learn. Um and then uh, also we talked about uh, some privacy things you know because with him having a pseudonym and all that kind of stuff i thought it was interesting and then we also get into the robert breed love robert breed clout or whatever he goes by now with him uh, getting into shit coinery and um, kind of rug pulling everyone so we got into all that stuff and uh, I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. I really enjoyed my talk with Gigi. It was a it was a great conversation and I definitely will have him back on the show again in the future uh, to get in touch with me. The show Twitter handle is at Bitcoin Simply and my personal one is at Tusik Corey. And if you want to email the show, it's Bitcoin made simple podcast at gmail.com. Thanks. So I assume you weren't at uh, Miami. I was in Miami,
1: actually. Oh, you were? I, you were? Yeah, I, I had a very good time. I, I had a blast uh, meeting all my internet friends in Miami. It was a, a really good time. <laughs>
0: well, I was curious with with your you know secrecy and uh, privacy, which I totally respect and wish I had more of. Um, uh, how many Bitcoiners actually know who Gigi is? <laughs>
1: yeah there there are more and more people that um know me in meet space as well and and have seen my face but um you know like it's It's trade-offs all the way down, and I happily take the trade-off of of being more well-known and recognized by more people uh, if I get to meet awesome people in real life. uh, Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't don't like the the real-life, virtual-life distinction because I I consider all of it real life, but uh, meeting other Bitcoiners face-to-face is awesome. And um, most Bitcoiners are amazing people. And so I'm always having a good time at meetups and conferences. And I try to, yeah, go to as many as I can and as many as um, my free time allows. And Miami was especially, um, yeah, beautiful in a way because uh, it was the largest Bitcoin gathering so far. And it was also, Mm -hmm. you know, there was a lot of pent up demand because of all the lockdowns and everything so there there wasn't anything happening for one and a half years and uh then there was this large event in miami so uh that that was there there were great vibes in miami let's put it like that
0: yeah yeah i was um planning on going down uh and then um unfortunately but it butted up against a trip that we were doing as a family um and then uh just a like a uh, bad news with a family member, like health wise. So we, you know, it was just like I was like, you know what? It's not probably the best time for me to uh to you know just like leave my wife with the kids for the weekend and say, yeah, hey, course. by the way, uh, so so I pulled the plug on it um at the last minute, but uh, but it sounded like uh, it sounded like it was a lot of fun and you know yeah, was yeah like everybody was. was having a good time. Um, Oh and God, sorry man. to hear, sorry to hear about the uh, the bad news.
1: I mean, you yeah, know, like there there are definitely things that are more important uh, than stuff like that. and just taking yeah. care of your family and being there for people is definitely more important.
0: And yeah, you know, yeah. like
1: you know, the next event will come uh, for sure. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's one of those things that just uh, you know, we're still kind of in the waiting phase with uh of figuring it, figuring things out and taking anyone's, you know, thoughts and prayers, anything they can send uh, you know, to our to our uh family. But you know, um, I think we'll be good. Uh it just was like kind of at that moment of like shock where it was like, you know, uh like everybody was kind of like dazed, you know. Um yeah. and uh and so it was like, well, I can just like leave my wife in in a in a daze you know and yeah of course um, you know so is what it is and um and hopefully we appreciate everybody you know I know I put a message out at the time just kind of saying hey if anybody you know keep us in your thoughts so it's a, uh, you know hopefully going to be good news um but uh so so how many are people what's it like when people see you face to face is it like do they react like oh that's what you look like you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: i had all kinds of of uh, fun reactions um, some people told me, they assumed that I was like a 65 year old Italian guy. So they were kind of surprised <laughs> <laughs> that I wasn't that old and, and not Italian.
2: Um,
1: yeah, some people were, uh, jokingly saying that, that they are disappointed that I'm not actually a, a hot chick or anything like that because uh, not, not, not too long ago, a lot of Bitcoiners kind of cosplayed as like female av- avatars, uh, on, on Twitter and yeah, um, yeah. I think most people were surprised because I think you just I, you you have a face in mind if you hear the voice of of someone and mm-hmm. interact with someone and um, chances are that your your mental representation of this person is just not correct. So I think the default position is that you are surprised at how how some random person from the internet looks like. But it, yeah. it was it was a lot of fun because. I mean, I met some old friends as well. I I know some Bitcoiners uh, for for quite a while and uh, they all know what I look like, of course. But um, uh, yeah, a lot of people have seen me for the first time and it was always... Really fun uh, to see when when they find out. Like sometimes you know you're standing in a group and and, and someone else will introduce you and uh, <laughs> and then it's like yeah and, uh, that's Gigi and and you you can you can see you know like the the brain exploding kind of because <laughs> some people didn't even know that I I was in Miami and they were really like happy to to meet this mystery person. So that's definitely a, a benefit of um, having no face online. That uh, most people are really excited when they find out.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's funny i'm sure that happens a lot then that there's people that are like standing in a group with you just like chatting yeah, and then yeah. like 20 minutes later they find out they've been uh, <laughs> chatting with GG the whole time yeah that happened a lot yeah it was a lot of fun <laughs> um it, what's the story behind your avatar your um like profile picture oh um <laughs> it's actually
1: a portrait of mine, but it's very distorted, so it's uh, not easy to to tell anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I've I've been I've been traveling quite a bit, and uh, uh, this is a picture I took. That um, it's actually a collage out of thousands of pictures I took from one trip, and uh, um, I, I I used some software to re render this picture as a composite of like thousands of pictures from, from this um, like 10 month trip or however long it was. Mm. And so, so this is half of this port- portrait, just a cutout. And I ran it through um, Google's DeepMind engine. So it's DeepMind is Google's, um, it's, it's not only a facial recognition engine, but you can just recognize like it, it's what powers um, Google Image Search, so and also mm. your Google Photos search. And uh, if you still remember, Picasso, Picasso was the first yeah. app that kind yeah. of integrated that. And so if you if you go to your Google Photos, and of course now every like Apple has it as well and so on. And you just enter any term, like if you search for cat, then every single picture you took of a cat will pop up. And so this yeah. is the engine behind that. And what uh, Deep Dream, what is the is the name of the software that um, modified my. My avatar um, it it takes a picture and it will identify certain areas of the picture that look like something it's very similar than when um, humans look at the cloud and you see you know like a mm. face of a horse in the cloud or something and if you if you would take a picture of it and just you know draw over it you can like emphasize the horse that you see in this cloud mm. and this is basically what deep dream is doing so uh, it it sees an eye and it sees like the face of some animal or it sees um i mean it, it it's it's very keen on eyes because just mm-hmm. recognizing animals and and faces uh, you have to concentrate on the eyes but it also enhances some some other um like it might see an arm for example and it it, it, it will take like a part of a tree and once you um, well, once you um, feed it, feed this part of the tree into deep dream, like three or four times, then it doesn't look like a tree anymore. It looks more like an arm, you know, because it recognized it like it's mm-hmm. like a 45% chance that this is an arm. So I let me emphasize how I see this thing and uh, let's make an arm out of it. And so that's what happened to my avatar. I I um, I, f- I I fed my avatar into Deep Dream for like two or three times, and now it's just like this uh, very weird psychedelic-looking uh, amalgam of eyes and um, I don't know, like it, it yeah. might look like <laughs> some small dogs or fairies, or I I don't know what it is, but <laughs> well, <laughs> I had a lot worries. of fun with those oh, I AI thingies and that's what popped out.
0: Yeah, I and mean, it works too because it it uh, it's like you can tell that it's. You, but like yeah, it, it, it won't help you to identify. recognize my face. Yeah, <laughs> no, not at all. Um, so it is, it is like perfect for what you're accomplishing, and it looks cool. Um, is, is that something you had to access on the back end, or is that like is no, that way- it was uh,
1: like some researchers published it a couple of years ago. It, it was quite a long time ago now, I think maybe five years ago or so. And uh, you, you were able to play around with it. I think it's still online, um, I'm not sure, but it was. It, it was some early access thingy where um, if you were a, a quick enough, um, you, you probably had to wait for like half an hour or an hour until your image got processed, but you you had access to this whole engine and and uh, were able to play around with it. And so, so yeah, that's what I did for like uh, a whole weekend. I, f- I fed all kinds of pictures hmm. into it and, and saw so what came out.
0: Uh, that's, I wish that I could do that with my face because I'm <laughs> like a big privacy person, but... Um, the problem is like I deleted Facebook, everything. Um, I just made a Twitter handle for myself, but that's specifically because like I own a seat, a streaming platform now. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure as we get going here, there's going to be articles and things that I'm like, you know, quoted. in. so it's basically going to be like a PR Mm -hmm. handle for me. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, I begrudgingly, uh, if, that's why I, I wasn't even going to do the podcast when I started it seven months ago or whatever it was, six months ago, because I just did not want to be viewed in the public at all. I didn't mm-hmm. want people to know who I was. I, I like the anonymity. Um, but uh, but once we were the streaming platform that I have going started you know, picking up and, and it looked like we were going to get investors, I was like, well looks like I'm going like people are going to like might know who I am. I'm <laughs> so, um, not like I'm going to be popular, like famous or anything, but just like, Oh, uh, never know, say you know, never, never say uh, never. God, I hope not. <laughs> I really hope not. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I was like, uh, there's going to be people, enough people in the movie business that, you know, like uh, reach out to me and, and uh, seek me out. And, and the other thing is too. So there's on IMDB, there's nothing, I could do to scrub my name from mm-hmm. credits because yeah. um, I've tried yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah it just like I don't even know how it had originally happened you can add some on your own but like way back when I started IMDB it was just like I think they sent the like crew list or whatever yeah and based on the crew list or whatever showed up in the credits that's how it popped up online yeah. um so, yeah, yeah so there's it's, no... it's,
1: it's difficult to keep a low profile and a small footprint online you you also kind of have to think through exactly these things that you are describing and i think you know i mean i'm i'm still kind of optimistic and there is a reason why a lot of musicians and also actors use they don't use the legal name for mm-hmm. their acting or for their music making and this definitely helps and i think that I, I mean the default um in in the bitcoin world i would say just in the online world in general especially in the gaming world you know it's like do not use it's it's part of the culture to have a name, so it's part of the culture yeah. to have like a handle or like something that is not your your real name and um i think um i i just want to keep this part of the culture alive that's also why uh, yeah i'm not using my my legal name and uh, I, I tried to not, not show my face because as you say, you know, it's almost impossible to scrap something from the internet. You know, like if, if I, if <laughs> I show really my face once, then uh, it's, it's basically over, you know, like it's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, the, everything on the internet is, is forever. And especially the the and effect is uh, hardcore because if you want to, um, if you actually want to delete something, people make will make sure that it gets um, replicated and multiplied and uh, 10,000 different backups are going to be made oh, from your face. Yeah. And then yep. <laughs> you, you make everything worse by trying to delete something off the internet.
0: Yeah, that's why I quietly, I did, a, a, you know, like the Irish farewell, but I did it, um, <laughs> I just quietly left Facebook and I pretty much not used it anymore. You know, yeah. it's kind of like, it it was pointless to me. Um, No, I think that's good. You know, like I, 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 I I mean, it's, it's well known in the,
1: security community for example that security is not a thing but it's a process you always have to make sure that your um your security practices are up to date and it, it really is something that you have to do every day like your your, your chores in your house you know there is never so, something like a clean house doesn't exist if you live in it you it's a constant process to keep it clean and the exactly. same goes for for security and the same goes for privacy as well so um reducing your online footprint is a process and just keeping your online life private is a process and everything helps so you know deleting facebook helps um switching to an in helps um removing photos from your internet uh, from the internet where, where you can you know like uh not using your if you want to do that you know i mean there, there are different mm-hmm. different people ideas that don't around want to do that. yeah exactly like I, and i'm i'm all for it i think you know in bitcoin especially we we need the public figures and we also need the um the, private the more figures. private yeah, the more private voices and like the, the, the faceless voices because Michael Saylor, for example, he's a very public figure, and he, if he's appearing on CNBC, he not it's not like he cannot speak his mind because he is playing the role of a multi-billion dollar CEO. Yeah. But some random guy that has no name and no face on Twitter you can make sure that he can speak his mind you know like the, those are the the differences you know the and yeah. i think we need we need those those public personas and we need the hardcore privacy advocates um uh, that don't take any crap from from anyone and we need everything in between and i see myself as, as someone in between because you know of course a lot of people in bitcoin uh, know who i am and uh, i've i've worked with multiple companies and uh, you know i'm an advisor to some companies and i'm an investor in some companies so obviously some people know know my real name i mean there's mm-hmm. no way around this <laughs> yeah you can't hide that yeah but, but it it it's still like in in miami at the conference it was obvious what are the the benefits and the drawbacks of of these different stages of uh, anonymity because if you're in jimmy song for example you can't go like 10 Two meters without, through the conference yeah. <laughs> <laughs> without being recognized and and i was i was discussing this with someone uh, while sitting at the floor and just chilling uh at a part of the conference that was uh, rather quiet and there was you know nice ac blowing because it was really hot all the time and we, we just had a nice moment and, and something to drink and uh, we're just chilling there and um yeah he just got to know me and we were talking and um and I was just explaining to him that it's so nice if nobody knows your your face because you can just, you know, wander off to some corner and just chill like we're doing right now. And you can wander through the messes and nobody will recognize you except, you know, your your 20 friends or someone uh, uh-huh. uh, something like that, that don't you. And while while I was talking about that, Jimmy Song came in. And he didn't make it two feet, like you're saying. And then a, <laughs> a film crew, a film crew stopped him and uh, was Uh-oh. begging him for an interview. And he, and he was held up for like half an hour because they, they did this interview on the spot. That you know, big microphone guy and, and, yep. and big camera and all of it. And you know, some people even have it worse. You know, if you look at Max Kaiser or Michael Saylor, like they they they, they can't even enter the conference. You know, they have to sneak in at the back door and give a talk. They sneak out at the back door again, basically. <laughs> and yeah. So yeah, there's, it's, it's just trade-offs all the way. You know, the benefit is everyone knows you, everyone recognize you and uh, you, you know, you have, there, there are some benefits to that as well. And um, yeah, the benefits of, of having no face is that you can move freely and uh, you, you, this won't happen to you. People won't stop you. And, uh, and you can again, like just sit in the corner at the conference and, and chill for a minute.
0: <laughs> mm, oh, that's, that's the life. Um, that's, you know, we, at the so specifically all the markets for the film business and like film festivals um, you'll get like a badge that you have to wear to get in and out of everything, like mm-hmm. most conferences. Um, but they, they highlight if you're a, a quote unquote buyer or like somebody that is, you know, in charge of some kind of distribution and can get your movie out there, they give you a green badge. So like you're <laughs> walking around this festival That is like the streets are just packed with aspiring filmmakers. And you know they just like they see like i've literally seen them multiple times be like oh green badge and they just take off running after the person so it's like you're not even like you're not even a recognizable face they just see your badge and they're like hey make my movie and you're like oh, geez. so like yeah I've, after a while i started to figure out all the tricks of like the back ways to get in and out of things and stuff and it's funny because nobody knows who you are they just see your badge and they're like you can make my dream come true <laughs> uh, um but the uh that's funny. Um, you know, that they, and wow, we were going to make a, so we're making a documentary and I contemplated coming. One of the things I was going to do in Miami originally was interview people. It's called searching for Satoshi. It's not about actually finding Satoshi, but you know, my audience <laughs> knows that. Cause I've been very clear. I'm not trying to dox them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I initially thought, Oh, when I go down, I'll do a bunch of interviews. Um, and then I, started to get, as we were getting closer, I'm like, I don't think this is going to be a great t- place to interview people. Um, <laughs> and sure enough, it didn't look like it was. Um So it's going to be easier to just fly around the world and, and interview everybody than try to interview them uh, at the, at the conference. But uh yeah, yeah.
1: It's, it's definitely the more relaxed approach. I would say, I, I think at, at the conference, everyone was like super busy and all the schedules were overloaded anyway. So uh, yeah, it, it sounds like the more sane approach.
0: Yeah. Well, and with the privacy thing, so I had, I'll probably end up, I'm probably going to hate myself for this because I'm going to have to edit this after the fact. I usually just like to just take it and upload it to everything. Um, but uh, so I'll tell you a secret. Um, I'll even hide my mouth behind the microphone so people don't know. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, do you remember a couple years ago whenever there was a, so yeah, so I was behind that uh, campaign and it was trending like number one on Twitter that entire day. And like other big things happened that day and we unseated it all. And I, it was a faceless campaign that I um, that I like ran with a couple of other movie producers. But like you said, it was fun to be behind the shroud of secrecy where we could say whatever we wanted. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like normally, you know, you wouldn't come out and criticize or um you know the filmmakers that were involved in it and and say anything that would offend the actors in the case that they might want to work with you in the future um so it was fun to just be behind like that shroud of secrecy and be completely honest and we just absolutely destroyed the movie (laughs) and like (laughs) obliterated it from every angle broke it down um uh because the group like I, i not not me specifically, but more of the other people, but I think I'm a pretty good storyteller um, as far as where we're going with our streaming platform. Obviously, I think it's going to all play out here over the next decade, but, um, but I think that our group has some of the best storytelling minds in the world. And, and it was just so fun to watch them like unfiltered, just annihilate and, was coming out like no, the movie's good. I swear. And we're like, no, it's it's <laughs> god awful, and we can we can give you thirty reasons as to why. And then we started mapping it out. Yeah, that was so. I learned there in, in anonymity was good. Yeah, and then um, so I slowly that was like, so I slowly started backing off, and then kind of like did an Irish farewell, and then it worked out really well because then they um, then like over a movie that we picked up that I was just providing a service for, but it happened to be a pro Trump movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I got like, like Facebook tried saying that I was trying to influence the election. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, I got attacked from all these things and all yeah, these, you were
1: like, basically labeled as a russian bot and then, then it's game over yeah.
0: online <laughs> yeah and like everybody was like you're some like right-wing nut and i was like gee no like not at all which is really funny because i'm gonna probably pretty c- close to whenever this episode comes out which i'm gonna do right away but uh i'm gonna interview a a right-wing um like conservative uh pundit and people are going to label me a right wing, but he's actually, the reason I'm in, I got in touch with him in the first place was because everybody labeled me a right wing nut from <laughs> this stupid thing that happened in the fall. Um, yeah, so it just, it worked out really nice to, you know, like no, cause all these articles went out and I was quoted in a bunch of them cause I am very pro free speech. Like I think it's mm-hmm. a very Bitcoin thing. Um, So I was like Amazon was trying to censor the movie and I was like I just blasted them like I was like, that's a joke, you know, Um, but it was so nice knowing that like I was I had no presence on the Internet and there was nobody that could, you know, find me or, you know, like anything like that, you know, find out where I'm at. Uh, you know, what my family looks like, weird things like that, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I
1: I think, I think that's um, like, we should make use of this feature of identity. I think in in general um, also, you know, in, 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 in the real world, like offline identity is prismatic. Like if you you are a different person at your church than you are um, with your family, than you are uh, at the office, than you are at the bar, than you are at your soccer club or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's also like if you want to reinvent yourself pick up a new hobby and meet a group of people that never met you before and you can basically be a different person and that's often how how people kind of you know if you are in a, in a bad spot or if you just want to change something about your life that's how you do it and uh you leave your old baggage behind and then you i don't know pick up chess or something and go to a chess yeah. club and then you know you introduce yourself maybe your name is michael and you've always been michael and you introduce yourself as mike and now you're mike the chess player and you're a different person kind of you know and it's 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 funny that um, online in the Facebook world like this is not allowed you know Facebook tells you you have like this one identity and everything mm-hmm. is safe forever everything like you're like everything you ever did online all of it is safe and, and you you almost can't get rid of it you know like if you uh, um, YouTube is another great example you know like if you <laughs> if you had a YouTube account for a long while um, uh, you're you are YouTube will tell you who you are just by recommending you certain videos, you know, yep. and it's, it's kind of hard to get out of that. I, I'm still getting recommended videos uh, because I, I have a YouTube account that is probably like 15 years old or something. And I'm still yeah. getting, getting recommended videos from hobbies that I just haven't pursue it anymore for like eight years you know yep. <laughs> and it's still like hey you're probably still interested in whatever you know it's and, crazy and it's it's kind of weird how how the online world doesn't recognize um, that identity is way trickier than like this one monolithic structure that again like Facebook and Google would want to make you believe that you're this one thing and, and you never change and uh, you only have like this one site when in reality you have like 15 different sites and it, depending mm-hmm. on the context and the people around you and uh, maybe even the season and the time of day you're a kind of a different person you know and yeah. I, I think um, we should make use of this feature and also lean into it and I, I would also encourage you know people to to, to try to create a new identity on Twitter, for example, you know, just create a new just for the fun of it and just post memes on Twitter and on Bitcoin Twitter, for example, and, and Mm -hmm. uh, see how this develops, because you will like, as you said before with, with the movie that um, suddenly all these producers and these storytellers were able to speak their mind. And the reason I think for that is that when you, when you don't have a mask, when you, use your real name and your real role you're also speaking for that role so you're speaking for the movie studio that you worked with for all the other people that you that know you and that you worked with and as you said you know that you might work with in the future and so on so you have to kind of self-censor in some way and all of this falls to the wayside if you put on a mask and become a different persona and it's really funny because you you, like you become a different persona very quickly you know like if if you if you make up a, a, a pseudonymous account for yourself and you you call yourself whatever you know mickey mouse yeah. <laughs> i don't know what and just post uh, mickey mouse themed memes on bitcoin twitter you will fall into this role very quickly like hu- human psychology is really funny that way that you know you, you 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 tell someone even if it's yourself this is your role now and people will kind of grow into this role and i think it's it's really hilarious how, how this works out and i'm i'm kind of disappointed in the in the Large players online, the gurus and the Facebooks and uh, the Amazons of this world that don't recognize identity for what it is. They they will always tell you that you are this person and, like you have this name and this is your government, mandated mm. ID, and you never change. And this is your identity. This is your profile. These are the advertisements that you like. These are the products that you like. And that's basically it. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's kind of funny, you know. Um, and this is, not. Um... You know, I'm not turning this into a marriage advice. Uh, <laughs>
2: podcast, <laughs> Why not? Why not? <laughs> but um,
0: but it's funny. You know, like you said, how you like your like Facebook and everything. They think like this is your identity. You'll be this forever. So we're gonna recommend you these videos and these posts forever, um, and that you never change. Um, and it's you know kind of ironic i always whenever people get like divorced or something and i'm like they're like oh well you know like they they're not the same person they were whenever i married them i'm like well i hope not like yeah. you know it, you' gonna not grow and like change like obviously you have to grow and change together like that's the point um yeah. and everything but it's like i was just like i, I always am like really like you you hoping that you don't change <laughs> for the rest of your life like, yeah, but, yeah. like you're gonna have marrying, the same at, ex-
1: marrying at 21 and being surprised that, that 65 people are different people <laughs>
0: yeah exactly it's like what like obviously like you should be like constantly <laughs> growing and changing it's actually another reason why i did the 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 podcast because i was like i was kind of in my comfort zone you know like like we were saying like the anonymity mm. um and like just running companies and not being out there and so it's like you gotta push yourself out of your comfort zone and 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 try things um so uh but yeah it's like you know if you're not growing and changing what are you doing you're just keeping the status quo you know,
1: yeah absolutely you know stasis is death like if you're not changing anymore you're you're that's that's you well <laughs> that's what feet happened feet to under. you yeah exactly
0: <laughs> um so wow I, I didn't think we were gonna go that route but i love that um uh you know, I'm a big fan of, you know, following you, I think, uh, I'm trying to remember the first time I, because uh, I'm new to the space. Um, so really started getting in, started following it in like 2018, but like actually invested in uh, spring of 2020. And um, so I've been slowly becoming more and more entrenched. Um, but what's your story? You know, How did you get into, you know, uh, Bitcoin and, and where did you first come across it? The, you know what's your origin story
1: yeah my my origin story is rather simple um but also rather kind of boring i would say <laughs> i come from the tech side so i've, I've been a, a software engineer um yeah for most of my life for the last like 20 years and i always did something with computers and programming and um, i ended up studying computer science and um, that's where i discovered bitcoin uh, some friends of mine were playing around with Quote unquote blockchain technology. Uh, mm-hmm. But th- that was very early. Like it was th- the only thing that existed was Bitcoin. And I think it was around the time, maybe, I don't even remember when the, the first fork was, which was uh, Namecoin. But a- around the time, it was um, some smart computer science people thought that, um, yeah, Bitcoin is cool and interesting. But, you know, the real revolution is the blockchain technology that powers all that. And I was working with some of those people. And I, um, yeah. I made fun of those people for like two years at least. It took me a very, very long time to take Bitcoin seriously. And it took me even longer to really get into it and understand it uh, on a deeper level. Um, I had no training um, in like money or economics I had no idea what money was I I was never interested in money like not in the Mm -hmm. least (laughs) I was more on me either really you know like I I, I was a big fan of the futuristic uh, Star Trek universe where money doesn't exist anymore and uh, the whole humanity um, thrives um, like altruistically towards the betterment of humanity and exploration and science and you don't really need money because you have replicators and infinite energy basically Mm -hmm. and um, so that was the universe i was working towards and uh, of course all of that changed drastically now <laughs> yeah yeah no. but <laughs> and here you are <laughs> but yeah um so i think I, I first heard about bitcoin in like 2013 2014 and then it took me again like one or two years uh, to uh, not dismiss it every week because I really I, I literally dismissed it like all the time and people around me were actually working on like blockchain stuff and uh, I was oh, just wow. always um, always uh, smiling at them and it, because I I thought I knew my computer science you know and I thought I was already interested in distributed systems and uh, networks and just the security in general and I I was sure that every computer system. Um, like, there was no such thing as perfect security. Every system can get hacked. So I, w- I was just always assuming that Bitcoin will get hacked and then it's game over. Because we've seen the story before, you know, yep. people try to make digital money and it just never works. Um, and I, I never gave it a, a second look or a deeper look. And um, I think, like, after the third time that Bitcoin still refused to, t- to die. <laughs> 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 I was slowly getting more interested and, you know, I mean, uh, you probably heard, heard the story uh, <laughs> a dozen times already, but it's, it's very like, it's the same story for, for most Bitcoiners. It's just what this thing is still not dead, And, uh-huh. and so, yeah, I slowly, slowly, slowly started to, uh, to look more into it. And I think my first um, kind of insight that, that kept me interested was, I realized that it's kind of like BitTorrent, but for money. So in mm-hmm. the sense that nobody can do anything about it, like you, it, it can, it will always find ways to root around, thing, like people that try to shut it down. And um, so I understood that it's kind of very resilient. I understood this kind of early on, and and that's what I thought it was just mm-hmm. very interesting. That you know, there's this system that that does some interesting things and for me it wasn't very interesting you know like sending around money how interesting can it be um yeah. but it it was not it, it was something that you could simply shut down and that's also what i find so interesting about the internet you know like you shutting down the internet is really hard i mean it's yeah. i would i would argue it's easier than shutting down bitcoin but it's still it's still really hard you know and as we can see with the great firewall of china for example uh trying to block um you know, internet traffic in general is kind of hard. You know, people will find a way to root around it. And that's the whole idea of the internet. You know, the whole idea of, of packet switching and the internet is to make it resilient uh, for attacks. Like if half of the network goes offline, it doesn't matter, you know, packets will find the way. And the same, of course, is true for Bitcoin. The whole point of Bitcoin is to, to create a system that nobody can stop. That's the whole point of it. Because um, Satoshi knew that if you have to build it like that, because everything else will be stopped by governments. You have to build something that can't be stopped by, it doesn't matter who, you know, like not even himself, Mm -hmm. not no one, not, not the developers, not the miners, not the users. Everyone is the enemy, you know, like that's kind Mm -hmm. of the idea. Mm -hmm. That there must not be any entity that, that can stop this system. Because if there were such an entity, governments will subvert it. Eventually they'd be Eventually shut it down. Yeah, exactly. And, and so um, that's kind of what hooked me in and, yeah, so um, around the twenty seventeen bull market with all the, the um shitcoin mania and <laughs> the ICO mm-hmm. mania, I was I was for the longest time I was in the camp of Programmable money, and that's that's what's what the revolution is, and that's what's really interesting. So I was very interested in Ethereum, and I was when Ethereum kind of came out, I was super interested in it, and I was actually an early Ethereum bull and um, trying to understand it as best as I can. I was even, you know, like I was writing smart contracts and stuff like that. I was actually playing around with solidity and uh, getting deep into the technicalities of it. I, I always think it's hilarious because I get a lot of flag from uh, altcoiners now as a Bitcoin maximalist that I'm so ignorant of all the other projects, yeah. you know, and, and stuff like that. And I've probably read like more than 100 white papers of uh, other projects. So um, you know, I used to be a computer science researcher so I, I have the means to read those things and try to make sense of them. And I, I was running a lot of like different software implementations of various altcoins um, most of them unsuccessfully because it was just not <laughs> I yeah. was just not able to sync up notes and, and stuff like that. And yeah. Uh, so I, I had a very prolonged and intensive shitcoin phase, and I was just interested in all these, yeah, very cool, um, futuristic ideas where you know your fridge um, will <laughs> pay for the milk if it runs out and order it online or whatever, and mm-hmm. you, you know, like you, uh, you, all, all those kind of um, futuristic ideas that uh, these kind of projects try to sell you on, and. Um when the insanity started, I kind of realized that, um, okay, nothing makes sense anymore. Like all of this is pure, um, like pure insanity, pure speculation. People have no idea how these things work. People have no idea what they are doing. The markets don't make sense. And um, that's when I realized that I don't understand the economic aspect side of things. So I did my best to study up on like basically on money and the history of money trying to answer the question over and over and over again what money actually is and trying to understand what exactly like why do all these systems need money (laughs) to secure themselves and uh, why you know why why every single altcoin project has its own coin why is that why that why why must this be the case and so I started to understand these things and um slowly but surely i realized that uh, what makes bitcoin special in the end and what makes bitcoin special in the end is that it came out of nowhere it was like this this gift from cyberspace from an unknown creator that grew organically and um you know survived without any ice on the space without any monetization in the first year and Uh, again, like grew very organically and monetized organically. And the biggest gift that Satoshi gave to the world was that he handed over the project and disappeared because Bitcoin is the only project now that has no leader and came out of nowhere. And you cannot replicate that. And every other project has a leader and has a team that can steer the project in some direction. Um, Every other project has uh, um, like a small group of people that really benefited massively from the creation of this project and that still have a say in where this project is going. That's true for every other project. It's also why you can't dismiss all other projects outright because what Bitcoin is actually trying to do is remove Senior Edge and reintroduce Mm -hmm. something just just like gold was, you know, gold is abundant in the earth's crust, more or less, you know, it's equally mm-hmm. distributed across the earth. Nobody's in charge of gold. Nobody is in charge of gold's properties. Nobody created gold and, and nobody has a gold printer anywhere. And Bitcoin mm-hmm. is the same thing, but in cyberspace. And so that's like the sound money aspects of Bitcoin are what is actually the most important and it took me you know like 2 years or so to to realize that and that's when i started writing about bitcoin because i understood that this is not about technology this is so much bigger this is about society mm-hmm. and fixing fixing the ills of uh, that fiat money introduced and and fixing like so many levels of society that are currently broken like if you don't have a sound money to coordinate Economic action in a society, nothing good comes of that. And we see this, I think, at a large scale um, on multiple levels of our global society. That society is just corrupting itself. And we live in this, you know, in this consumerism, um, very short time horizon. Mm-hmm. um consumer culture just it's 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 easier to to throw something away and buy the new plastic wrap um than to repair whatever you have it's it's easier to take out a loan and buy whatever you can't afford than to actually work for something and save up and spend your money in a sensible and meaningful way and like society in general is currently eating its future like every every single day and i think that's that's not healthy and uh, no. no like nobody nobody would argue that this is healthy if you're doing this as as an individual but if you talk to economists and they talk on a, on a global economic side level that's perfectly fine you know like uh, uh selling our souls and eating our future life um that's a perfectly reasonable thing to do because for whatever reason, the economy needs it, you know. So, um, yeah, it that was a very long rant, a very long no. answer. But it <laughs> basically, I answer. came in, I came in from the technology side, didn't understand Bitcoin for the longest time, and um, yeah, have had to get up to speed in terms of what money is and economics, and uh, yeah, basically, through thousands of hours of study, arrived at Bitcoin maximalism.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I want to, I say, like, I've said this to a couple of people, I want to thank, and I think every Bitcoiner will eventually always thank those that came before them, um, because I feel like the thousands of hours of research that you and many other people did helped speed up our adoption. Um, and, you know, and I kind of had like, uh, you know, people were accusing me of, I went on this investor podcast of a comedian that I know, and um, and they were all accusing me of being like a Bitcoin Maxi pad and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> and I was like, okay, whatever, um, and and then I started to think about it, and I so I I don't know if you saw the thread I posted, I don't know if we were following each other at the time or not, uh, but um, it was about Dogecoin and like why I think it's so dangerous and bad, and and I said the reason that I'm a Bitcoin maximalist, people think I haven't explored the altcoins, but I actually went so far down the rabbit hole that I was going to create a coin for my streaming platform and like for streaming media. And, you know, I thought it was a better way to management rights on media rights. And there was a way to use tokens to, you know, be able to pay your, you know, pay, um, uh, you know, personalities directly, pay artists directly, all that kind of stuff. Um, And when it got down to it at the bottom, when I got to the bottom of it, I was like, wait a minute, this can just be built on top of Bitcoin. Like this, this doesn't need to be its own coin. So then I started thinking, well, why would I, why would I make it my own coin? Cause a lot of other people have done it. So like, apparently there's a reason. And I realized it was just to enrich yourself. And, um, and it was just for, you know, selfish reasons. Um, so yeah, so I, I literally scrapped it out of the, uh, the, the pitch deck of, uh, my streaming platform. Um, and, and I was like, no, this is a joke. And that I think is when I became a Bitcoin maximalist, but I say all that because it was easier for me to research that reading people like you, you know, um, you know listening to guy swan um on a regular basis and uh you know all the podcasts that are out there where it just helped me come to that realization a lot quicker is that something you've noticed with the the newer classes that um they don't have to dig for as long because the information is more readily available
1: yeah, absolutely. I was very surprised. Um, like I still am very surprised of the 2019, 2020, and even the 2021 class, you know, the class of 2020, class of 2021, everyone seems to be able to get up to speed really quickly. So I'm, I'm of course, you know, super happy about this. I'm always happy when people tell me that my my stuff is useful. And I that's the, the reason why I wrote 21 Lessons and all my other things is um, I made almost all the mistakes that you can make in Bitcoin. You know, like it took Mm -hmm. me such a long time to understand it. I, I like, I, I, I didn't only do a detour in shitcoin land like i was living in shitcoin land for you know a, quite a long time <laughs> you were the and manager <laughs> of shitcoin land <laughs> i i had a very um comprehensive shit folio. yeah so so um i i was buying um i was quote-unquote investing in all the interesting tech projects and and stuff like that so yeah i i I did everything wrong that you can do wrong. So I learned all the lessons. I, they were all very expensive lessons. Um, I, I think I, I made every mistake except for cloud mining. That's the only thing that I didn't do, but <laughs> you know, I mined myself. I, I mind, uh, I, I mind multiple altcoins. Um, I had so many different tokens and so many different shit coins. Like you wouldn't believe it. It actually took me more than a week to get rid of all my different wow. shit coins. Yeah. Uh, so it, it yeah, and um, uh, it was also a, a, a very liberating feeling because I, I, I it was at the point in time when I began to understand that Bitcoin is the only thing that matters, and uh, I was just not even looking at the price anymore at this time. You know, like I mean, I, I was in the red, like <laughs> you wouldn't believe, of course, but it was just. Uh, you know, if my thesis is correct, all of this won't matter in the long run. And I can highly recommend to anyone who is still holding bags just drop your bags and start auto DCAing. Like that that was my my deepest insight. Um, was that it doesn't like we are still in the exponential adoption curve of Bitcoin. We're still so insanely early. So mm-hmm. um, if you if you got in like last year or two years ago, or this year, if you get in next year, or like in two years from now, it doesn't even matter. You know, we're, we're still, we just bridged into the early majority of adopters worldwide. Um, mm-hmm. th- like not even worldwide, in, in the Western world, you know, like in, in the developed world, because there's not everyone has internet, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, the worldwide statistics are still at the, um, at the we're still at the innovative stage. But in in the US, we just crossed into like 11 or 12%. And and that's the definition of the early majority, Uh, the early adopters. I'm sorry. And so we still have the whole parabolic adoption curve before us. And so the smart thing to do is just to accumulate as much Satoshis as you can. And the easiest way to do that is to do something productive, to do something meaningful, to do something that you enjoy, earn money, and just you know, buy Bitcoin. <laughs> yep, yep. <That's, laughs> it, it, and of course, like if you can earn, earn Bitcoin directly, you know, that's a, a lot of, of Bitcoiners uh, uh, that like, that's the goal, you know, but still like if you, if you are building stone walls, just keep building your stone walls, earn a lot of money and live below your means and just, Every week, every day, every month, it doesn't like the 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 frequency doesn't matter too much. Just buy Bitcoin what you can afford. And it's 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 so easy now. All these services exist that help you to auto DCA and you just quit smoking, mm-hmm. quit drinking, and the money you save, just see it as like your insurance for the next two or three generations to come because that's actually what it is. You know, like if, if the Bitcoin, if the, if the Bitcoiner thesis is correct, then this is what will happen. And I am convinced that this is what will happen. So I've been doing that uh, the last couple of years and I I can't recommend it highly enough. And it also takes all the stress and volatility away because I know exactly like my inflows, how much I earn. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Also that, but I like, I, I still see a lot of people on on Twitter that are, you know, trying to trade these swings, trying to time mm-hmm. when they lump some buy, trying to just time the markets and trying to also buy the dip and stuff like that. And all of that doesn't work. Just please believe just me from direct, experience, yeah. it all doesn't work and just do something productive. And let's say, let's say like, um, let's say you need 70% of of your income for living expenses and uh, like 10% or so for fun, take the remaining 20% and just Mm -hmm. put them into Bitcoin. And if you get a big paycheck every second week, just do it every second week. And don't set it up, automate it. Like that's the most important thing. Don't do it manually. Use something Mm -hmm. like Bitcoin. use something like, it doesn't matter, like... Uh, those services exist all around the world. So if you're in the in the U.S., use One Bitcoin. If you're in Australia, use Amber. If you're in Europe, there are like three or four different ones, uh, and just set this up, and you you don't have to look at the price anymore. You don't have to think about it anymore. And uh, like again, if the Bitcoin thesis is correct, this is the the best strategy you can pursue because everything else entails. Trading everything else entails timing, and you need to be glued to the screen and to the markets twenty four seven to have like a five percent chance of being successful at like timing yeah. it correctly and and out trading other people. And uh, like that's even <laughs> being very generous because in reality, like you have a zero point one percent chance of, of beating uh the trade trading bots because it, it's just trading is a zero sum game. You know, like trading. Yeah. With every trade, there is a winner and a loser. And that's why I don't pursue trading at all. I'm interested in win-win situations and in productive games for society. So if you produce something of value, there is no loser at the other, other side. And trading is not producing something of value. So I hate trading with a passion. Not, not, not that I'm like, especially bad at it or anything like that. I don't, I don't hate it because yeah, I just don't... hate it out of principle. You know? like yeah, it's the principle it's, behind it's, it. It's, it's, it's a win-lose game. It's you don't. You're hoping to sell anything. something
0: for a high price. that's going to go down, which and makes there is always there's always downside a, for somebody else.
1: Like if 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 you if you create a car or something, you produce something out of raw materials that is a net benefit uh, for society. If you if you if you trade money against another money, it's a win lose situation. It's not a win win situation. So you don't actually produce anything of value by trading monies against each other. And money te- always historically tends towards one and this is what will happen in the next 10 years as well bitcoin will lead everything else up. i mean there's a reason why we have the petrodollar system why everything like the whole world runs on on the us dollar you know that yeah. there is a reason for that and that's why, because money tends towards one it's just mm-hmm. because of stupidity and fiat, the fiat world we're living in and the current legal tender laws, we actually reverted to something approximating a partial barter economy because we have like 15 or 50 different currencies all across the world and we have to trade them against each other for our economy to make sense. And the, the forex markets, so the for, foreign exchange markets, they are like 10 or 15 times or something ridiculous like that of the global GDP. So just you know, trading right. monies against each other which money should be, you know, a store of value and uh, something that um, carries price signals, just to make sense of this these different barter economies kind of that we have, like trading those monies against each other. It's To me, it's just a destruction of, of productive capacity because all those people that are in these markets, they could actually do something productive, you know? If we just mm-hmm. use one money, like we did on the gold standard, everyone could, you know, this problem is taken care of this coordination problem of society is taken care of and everyone could do something productive. Like, you know, I don't know, build houses, build cars and (laughs) produce food and whatnot. And so
0: deliver abundance again, again, like uh, a
1: a very long rant, but I'm just, I I hate it with a passion because it's just, uh, you know, it's basically, and digging a hole at one place and just filling it up again, like uh, two hours later, that's what trading currencies against each other does. It's 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 all kinds of stupid. And I really hope that in the long run, Bitcoin will fix this as well. Because I I truly think that um, in a free market for monies, the hardest money will win. Bitcoin is the hardest money, and I won't. Like uh, it's because of the path-dependent nature of Bitcoin, it's impossible to create harder money after Bitcoin. You know, in mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it would have to be something completely different. But to clone the Bitcoin system and fill with some parameters and try to create a more sound money, it doesn't work. Like it's Not uh, again, it's 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 related to what we've said before. You know, Bitcoin is this like gift from cyberspace gift from satoshi if you want uh, that grew organically in the shadows for the longest time and uh, it has this path dependent property and it uh, monetized very naturally and this is something that you can't replicate you can't have the second bitcoin come out of nowhere you know and Mm -hmm. of course you know you also have the physical infrastructure that you can't copy like all the miners that are deployed for mining bitcoin and if you want to use those miners you would have to compete with bitcoin's algorithm directly which doesn't work because why would any miner switch and uh so basically all the different cryptocurrencies are in competition with each other because all monies are in competition with each other because all monies fight for liquidity you know like the us dollar is fighting with the euro uh, if, mm-hmm. if it's if it comes down to it and and uh all proof of work chains are fighting for hash rate and that's why it's, it's it's a winner takes all market hands down like there are those two effects and there will only be in the very long run there will only be one game in town and i'm I'm convinced it will be bitcoin and if you look historically back at all the other shit coins if you look at coin market cap like five years ago it, there were very different coins on the top. So all you know all the shit coins they always die and move into re- rele- uh, like they, they won't be relevant anymore in a couple of years I think.
0: Hmm. yeah that's you know it, it seems that uh, all, all roads go back to bitcoin and um and yeah I, it's kind of like one of those things like once you see it you can't unsee it you know like, like yeah it's me, very
1: it, once you zero in on, on on this truth so to speak it's it's very hard to um yeah to like <laughs> you, you know the saying like Extraordinary extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And Mm -hmm. for me, it's something like that, you know, like unseating Bitcoin from the throne. um, It would require extraordinary evidence for me. And uh, I haven't seen this in like ever since I began to understand what was going on. Uh, So in the last like four years or so, I I haven't seen any evidence that um, there is any competition for Bitcoin whatsoever. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, and it's also fun to to sit there like if you've ever played poker and you had the nuts and you knew that your hand 100% was gonna win there's nothing more fun than just sitting there and knowing that you win and then nobody else knows it yet um, <laughs> and and so yeah it's kind of like funny you know like uh, at my sister's wedding a couple weeks ago there a couple of my cousins I was talking to them about it and you know, I told them like that I basically went all in last spring and then like have just continued to plow money into it, everything that I can. And they're like, but didn't it just take a big dip? And I was like, oh, I mean, yeah, I think it did. But like, you know, whatever. And they were like, what? Like, well, you know, like when you know, you know, it doesn't matter right now what the price is. It's it's uh, it in theory, it actually doesn't ever matter what the price is going to be. You know, it's going to consume everything around it and suck it all in and everything in, and it'll just it's a black hole that's going to devour everything until it's the only thing that's left and uh and they were just like looking at me like wow i can't believe you're that convicted and i'm like <laughs> i'm starting no to no, know. no. They, they can't believe that you are actually a
1: conspiracy theorist like that's 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 their reaction usually <laughs> yeah yeah i
0: know and it's like and you just say these. it was funny i i my cousin who i mean she's a little bit older than me but not that much older in which she was like joking and saying like oh i can't um you know just wrap my hand around it and i just said to her i said okay boomer and she was like (laughs) like, how dare you i was like i'm just kidding but i was like um but it's it's also
1: in in their defense it's it's very hard to understand in the first place and it's also very hard to believe and make peace with this conclusion. Like as you said, that Bitcoin is this black hole that will consume everything. And I, I believe this to be true. You know, I think it will demonetize all the things that are over monetized right now. So it will demonetize gold, for example, it will demonetize real estate, it will demonetize a lot of art, for example, old cars, whiskeys, all those kind of things that are currently used as a store of value, you know, like fucking Mm -hmm. Pokemon cards and, and all all that stuff, you know, like it's people also stocks, you know, the stock market is so of course completely, um, I I mean, (laughs) if you have money to spend, yeah, exactly. You just throw it at the stock market and uh, sound money reverses these trends. Um, and because you actually have a better and more reliable less risky vehicle where where you can save in the long run and uh, actually store your time and energy and store your value. And uh, it's it's very, like, it's it's an outrageous claim that Bitcoin is this black hole that will just consume yeah. everything, monetarily speaking. But it is, if you understand, like, if you understand it from first principles, it is kind of obvious, you know, like, from, for me, why would I, like, any excess money that I have, why would I put it in anything else than Bitcoin? Because I don't think anything else can outperform Bitcoin. Like yeah. it's it's really hard <laughs> to outperform the best asset that humanity has ever had in, in the long run. You know, you, you might get lucky with some, I don't know, Tesla pump or <laughs> I don't know what, but in like in the long run, year over year, you it will be, insanely hard to outperform Bitcoin. Like in the next 10 or 20 years, it will be almost impossible for, doesn't matter what company it is, to outperform Bitcoin. So why should I even try to pick these unicorns that might be able to outperform Bitcoin if I can just save in Bitcoin? And Bitcoin, like the, the beautiful thing about Bitcoin is that once you understand how the system works, it's insanely stable. Like it's the most reliable thing that exists on planet Earth. I cannot... Mm-hmm. I cannot rely on my bank to be there in 10 years from now. I cannot even rely on my country to be there 10 years from now. I I can't rely on anything, but I can rely on Bitcoin being there for me 10 years from now. Because that's how resilient the system is. I'm sure that Bitcoin will still be there in 10 years from now. And I can spend my satoshis and I can make good use of Bitcoin. So why should I use anything else that is less reliable? And I, I, as you said, you know, like I don't care about the current price. You know, the general trend will be <laughs> up and to the right, yeah. and and as long as blocks are still coming in, and as long as the fundamentals of the system don't change, I'm not worried in the least. And I have no, like I I have no reason to believe that um, anything is going to happen to the fundamentals of Bitcoin in in the next several years and even decades. So uh, again, you you will have to make the switch from a value thinking to a systems thinking and the value, the value of the, of, of a Bitcoin is almost irre- irrelevant. I mean, of course, you know, price is not completely irrelevant. It is mm-hmm. an important metric of the whole system, but still way more important is uh, the resilient structure uh, and the, the unstructured simplicity and the beauty of the system. And once you realize that this thing, it like Bitcoin's heart won't stop beating, it just won't once you realize that it becomes the 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 safest play for the next couple of years and decades
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and like you know it's funny too one thing i've learned and i'm sure you are well aware of this being in this space for as long as you have now but uh but it's really funny to see people that come in with their negativity and say oh well you know Here's the here's the flaws da 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 and they shoot out a couple things, um, and they say these things as if Bitcoiners haven't thought of these things, um, and you know the one thing I've noticed is like the Bitcoiners are the most not negative but like they every atta- ma- Bitcoin maximalists have looked at every attack vector they have you know if there is a p- potential weakness they try to figure out how it can be exploited. And if, you know, they're constantly questioning whether or not this whole thing's a ruse. Uh, Is that what you've seen?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think every Bitcoiner, like most Bitcoiners, they, they came into Bitcoin by... Um, trying to dismantle the system for like several months or years, you know, and just trying to find the one flaw that could just take it all apart. So I think a lot of people, especially early on, this is where they came from, you know, like um, uh, network engineers, computer scientists, and just security engineers that uh, were sure that there is a flaw in the system. And just, uh, um, you know, like I'm a smart guy. I can figure out how to destroy Bitcoin. I will find this one flaw and I, w- I will bring it down. Like, you know, it's a scam in the first place and I, w- I will show Everyone, why this is scam? So I think that's that's where a lot of Bitcoiners uh, came from in the in the early days. So I think uh, there are a lot of people that um, have this uh, this adversarial mindset, and I, I I still think we're we're that early that most people in Bitcoin have this adversarial mindset because they understand that, um, you know, like. On the internet, especially, <laughs> you mm-hmm. kind of need to have this <laughs> mindset that everyone is your enemy, kind of. Yeah. It's also, you know, that's the, that's it's the, better that way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But that's exactly the the environment that Bitcoin operates in. Uh, like, uh, in Bitcoin's design, it is assumed that everyone is your enemy. And so that's why you also, like, um, in, in, in Bitcoin, like, you define yourself what Bitcoin is and uh, self-sovereignty is at, at the the very top of Bitcoin's hierarchy. Like you run your own own node, you hold your own private keys, um, you um, define what kind of consensus rules you want to run, you verify everything from the Genesis block up to now. And also like if, if you want, you can mine and all of it. Like you can be part of every part of Bitcoin and you can just verify everything for yourself and this is how the system operates on on a technical level and i think um that most bitcoiners that uh like most maximalists they they understand that very deeply and that's um why um like the best criticism of bitcoin is be had from bitcoiners directly (laughs) and that's also i think it's a funny phenomenon how um Bitcoin criticism over over time got actually worse and worse and worse, and I'm I think we're at a low point now when it comes to criticism. You know, like the, the basically the, the the summary of Bitcoin criticism is that um, it's actually not finite because you can um you know you can In divide Italy. it you, you can like you have this one pizza and you can solve world hunger hunger because you can just atomize the pizza and every child will get like two atoms of the pizza and that's how you solve world hunger. Like that's one criticism, and of course you know the energy debate is still. Uh, that's just, I think, uh, a basic misunderstanding on, on uh, what kind of energy Bitcoin consumes and just how energy works in the first place. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's, that's basically it. Like every other criticism... You can go back in the forums on Bitcoin Talk, and every single argument that you hear on Twitter and in the mainstream media right now um, was had in like 2009, 2010, 2011. Like all the arguments were had already, and there's there's nothing new under the sun. And um, yeah, basically most bitcoins, most of Bitcoin's critics, they have to resort to blatant lies and. Uh, they will tell you uh, that, for example, Bitcoin is too expensive for Bitcoin doesn't scale and the lightning network doesn't work, which is a complete lie. Like I'm getting paid on lightning almost every minute, you know, like I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a, um, I have a German podcast and we set up, um, podcasting 2.0, which, uh, allows you to receive streaming satoshis so uh, people that listen to it can actually stream that's your way and they can also you know clap when they find one part of the podcast uh, especially entertaining or meaningful and so in my lightning wallet i receive payments almost every minute it's like if you tell me bitcoin doesn't scale and and the lightning network doesn't work you have just no idea what you're talking about like bitcoin is so far ahead uh like most people just don't know they don't realize that these problems are already solved and they're still stuck in like 2015 and 2017 narratives. And just, you know, they find some old um, Reddit comment or tweet or article online and, you know, they will slap it like this will slap a new headline on it and just repeat all the same nonsense that, uh, we discussed, um, you know, at length in the last couple of years, uh, beginning Mm -hmm. from like 2010. And so, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of sad, but it's also, it's kind of funny because all the good critics, all the, Everyone with more than two brains else. uh, If you try to destroy Bitcoin long enough, you end up becoming a Bitcoiner. So all the good critics fall to the wayside, and now we only have like the disingenuous and, to be frank, not 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 the <laughs> not not the brightest critics. Uh, those are the
0: people yeah. that are left. Yeah. 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 I know, and and it's funny, um, you know, because I like people getting eviscerated by like whenever somebody comes in to criticize and then they get so upset. They're like, Oh my God, everybody was so mean when I walked in that room. And it's like, um, and I, when you were talking to Peter, I don't know, probably back in the spring or something like that. Um, and, and I, it really struck a chord with me because I can't imagine, like you said, you were like, how many times they've heard this argument and, You know, the fact that like there's so many Bitcoiners that are angels that just sit there and explain the same thing over and over again, over and over again. And like me personally, it's like I've been, you know, hardcore in the space for a little over a year, like paying attention to it um, and, you know, living it. And then for like the better part of a year, been a Bitcoin maximalist and I'm already so sick of it. You know, it's like when somebody comes in, you're just like, "Gosh, shut up!" Like, no, like we've been through this. You know, <laughs> so it's like, um, you know, I I I agree with you that like there are some some Bitcoin angels out there, but like, how frustrating is it to just hear people come in and be like, "No, we never thought of that." Oh my god, <laughs> like. You know. You've got to be kidding me, <laughs> guys! It's all over. We didn't think about how somebody could create a new sidechain, and uh, <laughs> like,
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, it, uh, it, it can be very frustrating. So I, um, yeah, I have a lot of respect for people like you know Peter Willa and also Nbk and, and other people that have been around forever, and they are still very patient with all the newcomers and just explain everything all over again all the time and uh <laughs> like it's, non-stop yeah non-stop and that's that's basically all they do sometimes and uh yeah i can't do it like i um i i just uh i think i just don't have the patience and i just um i I, I think that the information is out there, you know. Like if you have these yeah, questions. Just do your research. Yeah. yeah. If you have these questions, maybe don't type the questions into Twitter, but type them into Google and just click on the first link and read for an hour or two and then do it again the next day. And uh like the information is out there. We went through all this and it's very easy to find as well. So my patience is limited for people that are just, you know, like trying to um yeah throw just the most basic questions into, you know, like, uh, clubhouse rooms or on Twitter or on Twitter spaces, or it, it doesn't matter what kind of medium it's just, um, like, if you are really that curious, just type it into Google and see what comes up. That might be a better approach.
0: Yeah. And I, I like your you know analysis. A lot of people have made this comparison to, of the, it's like an immune system, um, of like, Yeah. You know, the, the toxic toxicity is an immune system. And I think it's important because it's like, you even look at the, you know, the energy FUD and it's like, we, we have to be careful with like bending over backwards to try and appease these people, um, you know, about the energy stuff, because really it's just a way for them to try and control Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I'm like in full support. I remember when you said that and I was like, yes, yes. Like I was in my car, like pointing at the stereo. Like, <laughs> yes, yes. Like I 100% agree. You know, like we need the toxic, you know, the, the, the toxic uh, maxis to, to just be like, you know, yeah. No, like to be able to just like slam the door in people's faces that want to come in and try and like ruin the party. Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of like also.
1: A- I, I think like the the time for playing these stupid games is is kind of over now. You know, like we've yep. we're further along um, uh, in in just Bitcoin's life cycle, and uh, most people they had like, you know, it's Bitcoin has been around for twelve years now. And it's on the radar of most people, I would say since like 2017, that was the big boom where just crypto mm-hmm. was everywhere. And so uh, to, like, if you, if you want to be generous uh, then people had like five years kind of to to learn all these things and um, but if you want to give them the benefit of the doubt, uh, most people had like at least two or three years to get up to speed and learn what bitcoin is. So uh, i I don't think we have to start at the very 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 basics. i mm-hmm. I just, If you haven't read the Bitcoin Standard, I just don't want to talk to you, period. If you haven't read the Bitcoin White Paper, I just don't want to talk to you. You know, it's like six pages. Just read it, you know. Bitcoin Standard exists as an audio version. Take like one weekend... And, and, you know, 1.5x, the audiobook, it takes you like six hours or something or eight hours. I, I don't care. Like, it's not that long, you know? Not that listen, li- listen, like, read a, a bunch of articles. Like, uh, read uh, The Bullish Case for Bitcoin, you know? Read mm. some good articles on proof of work. Read, just uh, just do a little bit of research and, and then join the discussion. I'm not willing to start from zero because all the information is out there. And now Bitcoin is a geopolitical game, you know? The time mm. to play these stupid games is over now with el salvador adopting a bitcoin standard we're in a very different league now and um, the bitcoin fund will get more intense and that's also why i think the toxicity is so insanely important because it serves multiple purposes it's not only to you know save newbies from shitcoins coins like that's one part of it so a part of toxicity is a kind of love like a tough love like like uh you know like if you we went through this We have more experience than you. Don't touch this shit. It's just like talking to a teenager, you know, like don't do heroin. Like, you know, I was young once too. I have experience with drugs. Just it's not worth it. Trust me. Kind of the thing. And if you, if if you, if you have to burn yourself, just touch the stove once, don't do it like three times. Don't be stupid. Okay. And, and so, so that's, that's part of, of the toxicity. Another part is I want to make sure who are the people that I can trust that will hold the line. Who are the people with principles? Who are the soldiers in this information war that will have my back if shit really hits the fan? And so far, shit hasn't hit the fan yet. You know, we're still in peace times. There was no nation state attack on Bitcoin. Bitcoiners aren't getting dragged off to the gulags. You can still mm-hmm. talk freely about Bitcoin and, and, and a Bitcoin. Answer. Yeah, yeah. But. Like, I I wouldn't take this for granted. I mean, to be sure, like in the US, it looks very good. Like, I'm super surprised that we have senators now and we have, you know, Texas and Miami, like, we have like Bitcoin states and we have Bitcoin senators and all of that Mm -hmm. is looking beautiful. But, you know, the world is a very large place and there are some people in some countries where you still have to be careful talking about Bitcoin coming out as a Bitcoiner. And I want to have these people's backs and I want to, like, toxicity is a filter that will make sure that those. You, you, will, you will be able to tell who are the people that you can rely upon. And you can't rely on shit kindness, like period. Like if you are mm-hmm. in this to enrich yourself and not for principled reasons and with the end goal in mind of separating money and state, then I cannot rely on you on this war because you will be bought by the governments. You will be bought by the powers that be. You will, you know, like a central bank will come in and offer you like 10 million cockpacks and you will do whatever they say. So, mm-hmm. and and I have some, like I have a group of friends. I have some people that I, I basically trust with my life. You know, like I have a, a very tiny select group of people. I know, you know, like they are toxic enough. They will not bend the knee no matter what. And mm-hmm. so those are the people I want to work with because those are the, like, we will need principled people, because otherwise we will make all the same mistakes all over again. Like the central banks made their mistakes, you know, like it's very easy to print your own money, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and with gold as well, you know, that's how this whole mess started. Like if, if you're in charge of the gold vaults, it's very easy to issue more paper certificates than you have gold in your vaults. And the same can be true for Bitcoin, you know, like Mm -hmm. fractional reserve Bitcoin is a thing. And so we have to be very vigilant of not... Repeating the mistakes of the past. And luckily in Bitcoin, there are mechanisms in place that um, will be like they they will come in very handy to make sure that we do not repeat these same mistakes. Like you can, if you have a Bitcoin bank, for example, you can have cryptographic proof of reserves. So you know that there is no fractional reserve um, shenanigans going on Mm -hmm. and all of those things will be insanely important in the coming years and decades. And I yeah, again, like for me, part of the toxicity is just to to weed out um yeah the weak people kind of you know like you I I want to make sure that you will, will be able to take the heat because I'm I'm of the opinion that It won't be easy going forward and there might be a war coming and, you know, (laughs) in a war, you need soldiers. You don't, you don't need cowards and you don't need um, egotistical people that are just in the war to enrich themselves.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why I think, you know, part of why I feel so at home um, with, with Bitcoiners is that, you know, like I can't, I mean, I wasn't in the military or anything like that, Um, but we have a lot of, you know, people that were in the military and have that discipline but, um, you know, I was a, a hockey player, played very seriously, trained very hard. And like, um, you know, we would run up ski slopes like we would, you know, sprint up ski slopes um, and do insane stuff like that. You know, we had a we had a, one of our uh, coaches who did the training was a former drill sergeant, you know, and it's like. So I'm like, the moment I hear like, oh, we need, you know, we never, we need everybody's help. You know, it's like, boom, okay, let's go head down. Let's get this work done. You know, I'm ready to go. Um, kind of, I feel like it takes me back to those days of like, you know, somebody yelling at you talking about how you're all working towards, you know, one goal together. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, and and so I, I feel very at home uh, with all that. The, um well, in so with like the, all the shit coinery and, and all the kind of like toxicity I got to bring up Robert Breedlove <laughs> um, or, uh, Robert Breedclout or whatever he's going by now um, I I didn't see that one coming um, <laughs> me neither in retrospect uh, whenever you know he on the, on uh, John Vallis's show when he said that he mm-hmm. might take a run at the Shit coins. I remember thinking that was weird hearing it. Like I was like, oh, maybe he's just like exhausted or something, you know, and just like talking out his ass. Um, but, uh, but yeah, what are your thoughts on like, you know, I mean, because he's receiving a ton of that toxicity.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, as, as as he should, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. it's not a good look, uh, as you said, you know, like he was thinking out loud uh, if he should basically uh, get into shitcoins before the next cycle and then dump on retail uh, because his, his thesis that he voiced was that people are still uh, just uninformed and the information asymmetry is so high that uh, most people are just stupid and will buy the shitcoins. And so, why not benefit from it? And um, to me, it's it, it really is a big mystery. Um, I, I can't make sense of it because no explanation of it makes sense in my mind. So I, I just don't see, I have no idea what why he did what what he did. And um, I was giving him the benefit of the doubt for um, almost a week because that's like, uh, uh, I think the 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 highlight of this, like the, the top of this whole um, bring love controversy was maybe yesterday or two days ago, where he actually rock pulled and uh, sold his whole <laughs> BitCloud Breedlove22 token stash. Uh, and uh, I think he cashed out 32K, which I would argue is probably not that much money for a person like him, considering his reputation and the years it took to build this reputation. I would argue, I mean, you know, like it's, it's mm-hmm. not nothing, but it's like if he just keeps doing what he has been doing, he will probably be able to make this in speaking engagement and by selling books and, uh, with his successful YouTube slash podcast show, uh, he will probably make 30 K every month. Like if he just keeps on course and uh, does it for like one or two more years, I, I would be just very surprised if, if that's not the case, um, because he, he was on a very upward trajectory yeah and a lot of patrons you know and very um rich and influential friends and uh you know like uh very close to michael saylor and ross stevens and, and those people so um and yeah i i have some insights into into those things that i'm not willing to share publicly but i i just can't see that Like a lot of people said he just needs the money and I just don't see that. Like uh, the the, the things I know about Robert, it, 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 it would surprise me if he really was in trouble financially. And as I've said on Twitter as well, you know, like there are some Bitcoiners that actually did not manage the money well and ran out of money and ran out of Bitcoins and were actually broke. Like Andreas Antonopoulos was broke at the 2017 top and then just be upfront about it. You know, like yeah. uh, I, I I made a mistake. I traded on leverage. Um, I spent all my Bitcoins because for Andreas, you know, he wasn't trading. He just spent all his Bitcoins because he was flying around the world, teaching everyone about Bitcoin and he was doing it out of his own pocket pocket. and and he invoiced in Bitcoin and he just used Bitcoin um, as a medium of exchange mostly, you know? And so he just miscalculated. And I think he had to like, you know, maybe buy a flat for his mom or something like that. Uh, I remember something along those lines and he just ran out of money and the whole Bitcoin community came together. And in like two days uh, um, they gifted him Bitcoin that was worth like 1 million US dollars, you know, a little bit more. And so so if Robert would have been in financial distress, just be upfront about it. I'm sure there would be a donation drive coming your way. You know, like he was in mm-hmm. very good standing with the community. And the same was true, for example, for Hotline Out. You know, he got into legal trouble and a lot of people uh, pulled funds together and uh, uh, made sure that he is not in financial trouble because of all the lawyers and everything else he he needed and and so i'm just super surprised about this move and it was very disingenuous from the start you know like uh if it truly is just public inquiry into a project first of all why do it publicly like he's very good yeah. at private inquiry and uh, second of all if it's just public inquiry why post the link to the platform and to I know, his profile that's exactly what i said I um, like, just don't post the link you can post if, the exact same yeah, thing yeah, without the yeah. link yeah, <laughs> and then why double down behind uh, public inquiry when people start calling you out? You know, like why are you posting a link? Why are you generating all this buzz around BitCloud? And and that, that was my main um, point of criticism with him because he has a very large spotlight. Like he has 150K followers on Twitter and uh, I, I don't know how many on YouTube, but he has plenty of followers. And I have like, he has five times uh, my follower amount or something like that. And if I have a controversial tweet, a million people will see it. Okay. Like that's, mm-hmm. I, you can, like, I sometimes look at, at these weird statistics uh, when, when some tweet blows up, and it's just a lot of people will see this shit because that's how these networks operate. And so this controversial tweet was at least seen by a million people. I'm pretty sure about those numbers, you know, like, it's mm-hmm. 150K direct followers. So it's not outrageous to say that a million people saw this fucking BitCloud tweet, including the link. If only 1% are intrigued enough to end up being interested enough in the platform to buy something, they're going to get wrecked. And 1% of a million people is a lot of people, you know? So that's the responsibility you have as an educator and as a public Bitcoin person to just not lead your followers down into the the land of the wrecked. Like that's that's at least the responsibility that you have. So that was my main problem. And then like he doubled down and tripled down and no, like, you know, the, the, like, It's the end of truth if you can't inquire freely and blah, 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 hiding behind these philosophical statements. And then he started actually blocking, (laughs) he actually started blocking very solid Bitcoiners. And that's where my ears perked up, you know, because if you start blocking your own people like really solid bitcoiners like Mr HODL and dark pill and other people like really solid bitcoiners and then he started um shitting on nymphs like basically if you you're a coward if you hide behind like if you don't show your face and don't use your real name you're a coward basically which is kind of ironic to say something like that in a room full of bitcoiners because you know there's satoshi and other people yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's 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 very it, it was very bad form and just not reading the room correctly And um, yeah, it all went downhill from there. So um, again, if it's just about public inquiry, why post a link? If you post a link and you repeatedly state that you're not doing this for financial gains and you're not paid to tweet this and so on and so forth, why sell all your coins and actually rock all your followers? You know, actually do a rug pull, and why do it for such a low amount of money? You know, like I, I can't understand an exit scam if it's for like ten million or something, but for for, for like he's a 000. he's a very successful uh, he 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 was a very successful businessman before he went into Bitcoin. He's a very industrious person. He knows what he's doing. He's he has a very high work ethic. He had a very high standing in the community. Um, like 30,000 30, US dollars for someone of his profile, that's not a lot of money. So I just don't I don't understand it in the least. And even if we're generous and like I try to apply Occam's Razor to these kind of situations. Mm-hmm. So 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 it seems to me like he was paid to tweet this. It seems mm-hmm. to me. Um, selling like propping up his coins and then selling them was his plan from the beginning because like that's that, that was the end of it you know like it's, yeah, <laughs> he, he doubled or tripled the, yeah, his changed. coin value and, and 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 like if this wasn't the plan all along then why do it in the end you know and to, to be very generous even if you consider that he might have been paid for these tweets or he um, got some other deal behind the scenes uh, with the BitCloud people I don't think he made more than 100k and just completely ruin your reputation in the Bitcoin space for 100k is kind of stupid because just... Robert, if you keep doing what you're doing stay and you stay humble and just accepts, sets and you do it for two or three or more years, you you have a hundred pages, you know? Yeah. So it just doesn't make sense for me. And I'm, I'm looking forward to reading his thesis, you know, like he was um, saying that he is uh, inquiring because he has a thesis and he will talk about it or write about it. But again, I don't see a way forward on how he can salvage Redeem the situation himself. because, yeah, I mean, I, I always believe in redemption in in some form or another, but uh, like some time has to pass. It's still kind of too fresh on everyone's mind, I think. But I I just don't see a rational explanation that would would kind of make sense in my head, because even if he now takes all the money and donates it to some charity or to Bitcoin development or whatever. He still
0: took it from other people.
1: He's, he took it from other people and he got a lot a lot of other people wrecked just by creating all the buzz around bitcloud you know like bitcloud is all the rage now and uh, a lot of people got interested in it and i'm i'm sure like there are thousands of people that got into bitcloud because of robert and and mm-hmm. um, that's just um, yeah <laughs> i think i think it's just morally wrong you know like the whole <laughs> and, and he knows that you know like he wrote that piece on why Bitcoin is different. He 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 wrote like almost what are books, like book-length articles about the immorality of money printing and the morality of Bitcoin, you know, like Bitcoin as as this 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 again this gift from cyberspace and, and like how central bank money printing is time theft and how it is uh, stealing mm-hmm. from society and so associating himself with a project that is it's printing that. its own money not only that it's even worse you know it's it's printing one form of currency for every creator that they hand pick on their platform um it's all kinds of bad and of course you know bitcoin it's a complete scam it's like they uploaded all the private keys to their centralized server it's a completely centralized service like you can write the admin to delist your profile and they will actually do it uh, which is you know very decentralized <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh it's it's all kinds of bad it it, it is built up on dark social patterns you have to tweet about it to unlock your account you have to tweet about it to claim your tokens um they pre-fill your account if you're a a public persona and if you're important enough quote-unquote to be listed there and they use your name and your information and your profile and your connections without your permission and all those kind of things like it's 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 scammy from head to toe you know it Mm -hmm. takes two minutes to find out that bitcloud is a complete shitcoin scam and that's what enraged me as well you know like robert breedlove is not a stupid person so five minutes of googling already Five minutes of Googling should be enough for Robert to find out that BitCloud is a complete scam. And he just, you know, over the course of a week, doubled and tripled and quadrupled down that it's it's still kind of legit. And, you know, just, asso- just by associating himself as one of the brightest lights in the Bitcoin space with this project, you already give it uh, like some... Form You make it legit, you know, you make it a, a more legit project than all the other projects. No, and be, uh, and we'll so I I don't know, I still can't make sense of it. Um, I think he deserves all the shit posts and all the trolling that uh, flew his way. Uh, I was very patient the first five or six days. And then uh, the last one or two days, I was just basically digging up all his past tweets where he was blocking mm-hmm. other people for shit coining and where he was like, still being a Bitcoin maximalist kind of and yeah. i i was just you know uh, going ham because i think he deserved it <laughs> well yeah even <laughs> if he did the rug pull then <laughs> yeah. yeah after the rug pull is when i went actually ham and uh I, I also think you know i i mean you know i met him in miami i i i i still think his writings are insanely valuable uh, i still think for example trace mayers contributions are very valuable like the seven network effects and all those things so i I, I don't think we should you know cancel all his past contributions or anything like that. But my view of Robert changed drastically because he was just very disingenuous and uh, he ended up blocking I think like 50 solid Bitcoiners, myself included. And I was gonna um, ask
0: if you've been blocked.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've been blocked. And he also blocked Haldon out. And he he blocked like so many very solid, awesome Bitcoiners that, um, yeah, it's really hard for me to understand what got into him because if, if you're blocking half the people in the space uh, um, that are that have been Bitcoiners for you know like the past six or seven years, then I mean it seems to me that it's also some kind of ego thing that there's just no way he could be wrong on this. You know, like he still thinks he did the right thing. He still thinks it was just innocent inquiry. He still thinks that he is pursuing the truth and uh, he's doing all that to you know not be ignorant about uh like not be closed-minded kind of um that's what he his statements and his likes of other tweets and his uh statements on on some telegram groups uh, lead me to believe and mm-hmm. um he just doesn't even see the possibility that what he did was morally wrong and so that's i think why he doubled and tripled down he's he thinks he's in the right and I think that's also why he blocked all the Bitcoiners because he thinks all the Bitcoiners, they are now an angry mob and uh, possessed by groupthink and everyone in this mob is wrong. He can't even entertain the idea that some of the bitcoiners invested like 50 hours to dig into bitcloud and actually uh, find out why it's such a scam and that's it's just a very sad state of affairs but it's not the first time that something like that happened and it won't be the last and yeah it's it it's sad to see because i i i considered him uh you know <laughs> a good egg <laughs> Yeah, I considered him uh, as uh, as someone who was fighting the same fight, and uh, it turns out that I was mistaken.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I wonder how much, you know, it's pure speculation, but that four-hour uh, sit down with Lex Friedman, and then, you know, it was like, I don't know, maybe maybe ego, you know, ego gets to the best of people. You know, it happens to everyone yeah. you know if, if you can't yeah. keep it in check and yeah. so you know that could it's like it could be financial it could be ego yeah it could be a, a mix of the two you know i saw people saying that maybe he got wrecked on you know some leverage trading or something like that which would timing wise make sense because it you know then happened after you know the price crashed in may at the end of may um you know but like you said though for 32k um really like is that what uh is that is that your price does that really make that move the needle that much for you um you know yeah i don't know
1: my my first guess was ego as well because he was just you know um not only appearing on lex friedman's podcast and also uh, uh talking to jordan peterson and uh um, also, you know, speaking, uh, on the big stage in Miami and, uh, meeting all the rich and famous people in Miami and associating himself, you know, with, um, all their uh, big brain philosophers <laughs> that are in Bitcoin and, uh, doing, uh, um, philosophy dinners and just meeting all those millionaires and billionaires. So that, that would have been my guess that it just got to him and he wanted to kind of Um, spread out into other projects and my my guess would have been that he's just you know part of the early investors of Bitcloud, or a part of the advisor board or something like that. But then the rug pull just makes zero sense because if you were actually part of the board or something like that, then you don't rug rug your your own coins, you know, then you would make like a five year play on it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. uh, So I'm, I'm at a complete loss. Um, It might be, as you were saying, a combination of uh, ego and financial strains and and whatnot, but just all uh, like all his moves don't really make sense. And um, again, I'm, I'm looking so forward to hearing moment. what he has to say, but the last three or four days he was completely silent. And um yeah, I, I just don't know what he's doing. And I also, to be honest, like I've said, I've made my piece. I've said the things I wanted to say. I was very consistent in my criticism. I think um I was very reasonable the first five days uh, I gave him, the benefit of the doubt yeah, multiple yeah, times. Like if 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 it would have been someone else, I would just have been you know like fucking shit, kinda. That's the end of it. But mm. it was it was it was fucking Robert Breedlove, man. You know, like uh, I actually liked the guy. Yeah, <laughs> I think he wrote some amazing pieces. I thought he was very principled. I thought he was actually living out what he was preaching i thought he was very truthful and principled and uh of high moral standards and yeah chest rock pulling on, on other people uh that's you don't have high moral standards if you pull crap like
2: that
0: yeah yeah no i i agree and you know i i think if i mean obviously i'm not even like well known i'm like five six hundred followers or something like that um but in my mind i'm like if i ever act like that i hope the Bitcoin community tortures me too. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like you've, that's
1: that's you've, also something. I I that's one of the first things I said. You know, like
0: if if
1: I mess something up, I want my friends to call me out even harder than anyone else. You know, I want my friends oh, yeah. to come in and it's like. What the fuck are you doing you know are you out of your mind and and i don't even care if it's privately or in public like i want i want exactly those people that i mentioned before i want them to step in and it's like like what the hell are you doing do you even know what, what you're doing right now and and so i was very disappointed um from other people and from robert himself that he just uh, was super offended by other bitcoiners calling him out you know like he was he was immediately offended and and just trying to defend himself left and right uh, behind the veil of curiosity and public inquiry. And again, you know, like if it it's truly is salads. just inquiry, if it if it is just inquiry, why Rakpo?
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it doesn't make sense. And don't don't post the link. Just don't post the link. Yeah. Like it's really, if you can't, if you can't figure out how to Google don't, it and figure it out yourself. Yeah. Then, Again,
1: back to back to what we said before. Don't use Twitter as your Google engine. You know, like it exists yeah, for a reason. Yeah. If you have a question about Bitcloud, like type into Google "is Bitcloud a scam?" question mark And two or three very good articles will pop up, and they will explain to you exactly why Bitcloud is a scam.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, uh, it's it's a shame to see him uh, go down and and uh, you know take. Some people yeah. down with him, unfortunately, but uh, maybe, maybe in the long run he'll be back. Um, yeah, we'll see.
1: Like I, I don't rule it out. And uh, again, you know, Bitcoin doesn't care. I think also most Bitcoiners don't yeah. really care. You know, like he, he made his contributions. He, he wrote a lot of uh, great uh, thought pieces. He brought a lot of people into the community. He, I think his interview with Lex Friedman was excellent. He did such a great job of explaining what Bitcoin is about and the history of money and just the properties mm-hmm. of money. Um, of course, you know, Lex, uh, um, he is uh, equally curious and is uh, just inviting Shitcoin after Shitcoin to his show. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so I think, I think Lex is equally reckless because Um, I don't even want to run the numbers of uh, how many people potentially are getting wrecked uh, as listening to the Lex Friedman podcast because he has uh, like a large following as well and many, many listeners. And if you have Charles Hoskinson, uh, you know, spout nonsense for five hours straight, a lot of people will... Um, make the assumption that he's a smart dude and actually knows what he's talking about. And they will look into all the shitcoin projects he's involved in and uh, they will just miss out on Bitcoin and they will regret their quote unquote investments um, soon enough. So I think that's just a very sad state of affairs. And I think it's very reckless in this area to learn out in the open and learn in public because all the people that follow you along will make just by extension the same mistakes that you are making by learning in public mm-hmm. there is no way around it and so you will get other people wrecked and that's just i i think it's very unethical so i try not to do that
0: yeah uh it's um yeah it lex he's another arrogant one just like what's he follow like three people on twitter yeah yeah i mean you
1: know. he, <laughs> he he slipped up once and Bitcoin because giving him a, a, a lot of crap for that but uh, that's where he um uh because he he he's playing the part of, of being very humble and very you know full of love yeah. and and all of that i mean he blocked probably 500 people without interaction just because they had laser eyes and I was one of them <laughs> so that's very loving already you know yeah. like just just block everyone on twitter because you don't uh, agree with their uh, choice of profile picture and uh, like he he just it, it really got to him all the, all the trolling um, uh, oh yeah <laughs> and, he, and he mentioned he, he mentioned that you know uh, he's actually very smart and has a PhD and he did a lot of hard things and people shouldn't troll him like he's he's uh, way way smarter than all those Twitter people and it's just so hilarious because it's just so not true in Bitcoin like he, he, yeah. he knows nothing about Bitcoin so uh, it would just be better for him Uh as always, as with all people to just listen and learn and stay humble. And uh, yeah, he, even though he tries to act very humbly all the time on the podcast, <laughs> he doesn't come across very humble across with his way. Twitter actions. Yeah.
0: No. And the, the whole, I mean, setting up an image and, you know, it's like, I don't know that yeah. maybe it's reading too much into it, but you know, you're, sitting there trying to wear like the same suit and tie all the time and like have this like image projected across like what are you like steve jobs yeah i wear the same thing every day and like like (laughs) that girl from the the girl that uh who was the girl that had that company that was selling pharmaceuticals oh yeah and she was like i'm like steve jobs i just wear that black shirt every day because you know and it's like They give me a break. You know what I mean? Like, like right now I'm wearing basketball shorts. Like, I don't, I (laughs) I just really don't. I have like, I don't know. I mean, I don't, you know, it's like if somebody wants to attack me for like, you know, when people come like, oh, I have a PhD, you shouldn't troll me or whatever. And it's like, that's a joke. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I don't ever tell somebody how smart or not smart I am. You know, I actually prefer people to think that I'm an idiot. Cause that helps me <laughs> like that puts me in a bad yeah, yeah, situation. It's, <laughs> like, it,
1: it's better to be underestimated. Uh, that's for yeah, sure. It's just uh, like, so.
0: I, just, I just have no patience for these yeah. people. I, I would love to go on like Lex's show because um, uh, like if you, if you ask my wife, like I would have zero problem telling him exactly how I feel. Um, I, I have, it's almost a too, like I, I have that problem too much where like, I just have zero problem just, if somebody deserves it, they'll get it. You know, I'm, I'm not going to like, I won't change my tune based on who you are. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I think that's a good thing, but, um, you know, it can, it could be no, problems.
1: I, I, I think it's definitely a good thing. Um, and I, I think it's funny how Bitcoin exposes uh, like all the people Basically, like mm-hmm. um, if you look, look at the downfall of Nassim Taleb, for example, as well, True. Um, it, it, it it's funny how this relentless truth machine is relentless in more ways than one, because if you um, fail to align yourself with Bitcoin, you will not only suffer economically, you will also suffer um, uh, spiritually and also uh, <laughs> cognitively, like <you're> yeah. <laughs> it seems that... Um, if people have a problem with Bitcoin, they will try to argue their way um, into attacking Bitcoin kind of, you know, like Al-Nasim, he, he's currently writing this paper about uh, why Bitcoin doesn't work, basically ignoring <laughs> ignoring the last 12 years of facts. Yeah. And um, it's not the first time that something like that happened. So uh, that's what we call one, one sort of Bitcoin derangement syndrome, you know, like here. Um, I don't like Bitcoin. So... Like, ergo, Bitcoin cannot work. Ergo, I'm making things up why Bitcoin doesn't work, even though it's working, you know, what? even though it's monetizing and even though it's eating up all this value. And uh, I think the same is true for a lot of the public intellectuals like Lex Friedman. Um, They're just too smart for their own good. You know, it's just like, um, uh, like, okay, um, I'm smarter than all the Bitcoin people. So I will find out, bitcoin 2.0 like i will make mm-hmm. bitcoin better i will fix bitcoin i will invite people that build the next bitcoin i will tell you exactly why bitcoin can't work in the long run yep. i will tell you exactly what is wrong with bitcoin even though they haven't understood bitcoin in the first place and uh, it, it happened quite quite a few times with different uh, public intellectuals and yeah the most recent one is uh, nasim taleb who, who seems to be like completely deranged now (laughs)
2: losing (laughs) his mind
1: completely losing his mind and um i think that's also um i think it's the way i like to understand this is that bitcoin is kind of this unmovable force you know it's completely Mm -hmm. unmovable and it doesn't matter how large your intellect is you will not be able to change it you will not be able to move it kind of and we've seen this in the past with like people like roger Ver and and uh craig Wright and other people you know they they try to infiltrate and change bitcoin and and they just because it's such an unmoving thing they fail over and over and over again and it it actually drives them completely insane and i think i think we will see this more and more as bitcoin grows and um, Elon's a big uh, candidate for yeah that. exactly Elon had his his spout with uh, I, I still haven't written off Elon yet but uh, he's he he had And his form of slight Bitcoin derangement syndrome, that's for sure. And I think think we haven't seen the end of this. Like Bitcoin is bound to grow and will brush up against more and more people. And some of those people will think that they are smarter than the market, think they are smarter than Satoshi, think they're smarter than all the Bitcoiners, and think that they found a flaw or found the next Bitcoin or whatever. And Mm -hmm. Bitcoin will drive them insane because in the long run... They can't beat it no, you can't beat it. Like number go up will drive you insane. You know, like Peter Schiff is a good example as well. You know, like just, (laughs) and all all those people that, you know, discovered Bitcoin in in, in 2010 and started trash talking Bitcoin in 2011 and they're still on Twitter trash talking Bitcoin and they just missed out on, you know, 20 million percent gains. (laughs) It's just, it's very hard to not lose your mind because of it.
0: Well, yeah. And I think that they're like, sounds really arrogant, but like um, I think that people, whenever they they think they're that smart, that, shows the limit on their intelligence like the, yeah it's, it, it kind of I, like I, puts a flag in the ground of like okay yeah. here's the here's the it, postmark of where their intelligence ends um that yeah. sounds really arrogant to say that out loud but yeah
1: no no it's i i think i think it's true in the sense that um a lot of people have very specialized knowledge in one field yeah, and they yeah. think it transfers to other to areas everything. and it, 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 doesn't necessarily, you know, like you might be a genius mathematician, but it won't help you to understand Bitcoin because Bitcoin is this, it has a very broad scope. Like you, you have to understand different areas to um, understand Bitcoin holistically. And uh, also Bitcoin is like a, it's a, it's a, it's a practical solution to a theoretically impossible Problem. And I mean that technically, it's actually true. Mm-hmm. You know, the problem Bitcoin solves is actually like you can prove that it's an unsolvable problem, but Bitcoin solves it anyway. You know, the Byzantine generous problem is is unsolvable. But Bitcoin f- found a practical solution. It's like a market-driven, approximate solution that is rooted in probabilities. And it it, it works beautifully, but it's it's not it's not something that you can proof will always work you know and that's mm-hmm. why the, the super smart giga brains they will show you mathematical proofs that Bitcoin cannot work <laughs> and they're and, and, and they're kind and of they're true wrong. like it's it's, yeah. it's kind of true but but they're wrong practically you know like yeah. we have 12 years of evidence that Bitcoin works and it will continue to work you know uh, and, and we've seen this in the past you know there's famously uh, there, there have been some scientists that will uh, show you aerodynamic mathematical proof that bumblebees can't fly and stuff like that and so uh, they were wrong too, you know, obviously. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, Bitcoin is like the bumblebee. It, 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 it might seem to defy the laws of economics and defy the laws of computer science, but it still works and uh, it will continue to fly.
0: Yeah. Well, Gigi, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, this was a great conversation. I really uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, so where where can people find everything that they're? Uh, I, I trust me. I want to keep going, but I know I don't want to tie up your time too much, and <laughs> yeah, and I, know I got other things too. So um, I can, but I could, I could keep this conversation going for another couple hours. So maybe in a couple yeah, months likewise, we'll do this I, again.
1: I, I had a great time, uh, and I'm I'm always happy to talk Bitcoin. So uh, yeah, anytime, hit me up if you know some some new uh, drama unfolds, and uh, there's something yeah. we have to talk about. But uh, yeah, no, people can find me online. I, I think easiest is twitter i'm their on twitter and uh also all my writing is on their everything is linked to my twitter so you you'll be able to find it and um yeah there's um, not much else to say the easiest way to support bitcoin is um just set up auto dca buy some bitcoin every day that's that's how we win
0: <laughs> yeah stack and huddle exactly all right thanks gg
1: <laughs> thanks cory i had a great time